and welcome to the Audio Choke, you audio chokers. The Audio Chokiness podcast, the whole audio choking in mess. As usual, I'm Greg Rowland. I'm Tobin Shelby. And I'm Matt Collins. Audio Choke. Audio Choke. You got a quote of Phil? Audio Choke. We just want to make sure that people know what they're listening to. Yeah, you the can download show. us on iTunes and here at MMATorch.com. Uh, yeah, they have an app, you know, for the iPhone. That's pretty cool. So It's extremely cool. Yeah. Um, All right, so let's get to this MMA thing. What What's happened? Uh, well, not a whole lot happened this previous weekend. Finally, huh? Yeah. Like a little break. bit of a rest? Reprieve, yes. Good times. Good thing, too, because I had some other stuff to do this weekend. Yep. It's busy. Busy all weekend. If something had happened, what would have had that? <laughs> News, uh, Tito Ortiz, just a big misunderstanding. Yeah, it's, it's all okay. It was yeah. some old drugs that he found. Uh, <laughs> so apparently Jenna is not addicted to Oxycontin, and apparently he didn't beat her up. Yeah, what a difference a week makes. Not even know. a full week. It was a yeah. few days. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's good, I guess. Um, so... I guess he's probably not going to be fired from the UFC. Uh, Dana White was saying, I'm going to give him a chance, but he may be cut. Right, yeah. And that, yeah, financially, this has probably got to be better for everyone involved. Uh, Tito could have lost his job. I mean, going to court over something like this would have been expensive for everyone. But uh, who knows? Hopefully there's nothing else down the line. Yeah, I don't know. I think the last thing he wants is, like, people talking about it. But that's what we're here for. Ha ha, Tito. Well, they say that, uh, you know, no publicity is bad publicity. So maybe this was some crazy publicity yeah. stunt trying to, you know. It was some... it was perfect, wasn't it? I'll be watching The Ultimate Fighter. Oh, wait, I didn't. Hey, I missed it. I'm just saying that, you know, Tito knows how to sell a fight. And, uh, you know, he'll sell anything, I'm sure. Yeah. He's probably wearing his Punishment Athletics when he was getting arrested, and uh, it was know. all just a ploy for TMZ. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I always wanted to be on that show. <laughs> hey Tito, you handcuffed? No. <laughs> What's underneath your jacket? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> yeah, didn't you say he was going to like go teach the guys jujitsu or something? Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Good times. Good times. But it's it's been resolved. It's all water under the bridge. Yeah. So we can. Uh, the Ultimate we... Fighter last week. Well, I actually missed it. I was watching a local live event, which yeah. was. Uh, a very fun event, but completely irrelevant to, uh, you know, 99% of anyone who would be listening to us. So screw that. Tobin, did you watch the show? I did. And apparently, according to the internets, it drew 1.8 million viewers. Wow. Tito Gate, man. Yeah. See? Apparently it helped. Apparently it helped. Even yeah. without Matt and I listening. Yeah. yeah. The worst part is I DVR'd it and I watched it just like a day ago. I, I really couldn't remember much about... about uh, the events, other than um, the guy people thought was going to lose one, uh, won his fight. So uh, no, it was, it was like the typical. Uh, let's see if I can pull up the names here. So Did head, head kick McGee uh, fight yet? Well, no, he, he, he fought, fought in the previous yeah, episode. Yeah, okay, and he won by punch. Yep. Mm. But the guy he fought was also kind of a stiff. So I mean, you look at the two guys standing together, and obviously, you know, in mixed martial arts, looks don't necessarily mean anything. But you're seeing Jamie Yeager, who's uh, the head kick guy, uh, and the guy he was up against is like, this guy has no chance. Uh, I was really wondering what the hell Chuck Liddell was thinking making that pick, other than, you know, maybe just sacrificing a lamb because he didn't think that guy was going to go any further anyway. But you'd think if he was going to do that, he would give Tito control later on because right. there were still several uh, fights to go in the first round. But. You know, he made the choice he made, and uh, Jamie Yeager won the fight. But 
it was completely uncompetitive. Right. And uh, it turns out it didn't really matter this mu- uh, much because uh, Tito's first fight that he picked was uh, Chris McRae versus Josh Bryant. He uh, Chris McRae was Team Tito. Josh Bryant, uh, undersized, as is much of Team Liddell's uh, yes, lineup, the apparently. Yes, yeah, And cl- mm-hmm. clearly height is the only reason, is what determines winning or Fights. losing a fight. Yeah, um, obviously. But yeah, so first fight, Tito got to pick, and they lost. Aww. Oh, so man. at that point, they, they hadn't won a single fight. Well, uh, they, they won the one. They the won the Jamie Yeager fight, yeah. But that was afterwards, though. Well, that was before this. Oh, one. I see. Yeah. We're talking about this last week's episode. Yeah. Ooh, this is getting confusing. <laughs> Get out the flux capacitor. So now <laughs> Team Chuck is winning four to one. Yeah. So that's uh, and there's only seven total. Yeah. So that's bad news for Team Tito. Um, but it was it was a very exciting fight. Uh, it was good back and forth. They went all three rounds. After two, it was declared a draw. So they had to go to the third and final decisive round. And uh, yeah, it was so right. Chris McRae much bigger. He looked like you know early on he he had the advantage, but he just he. Both fighters really tired out, and then Josh Bryant was able to land a much better stand. Uh, it, they got into some sloppy boxing at towards the end, but uh, Josh Bryant was really landing a lot better, uh, cleaner shots, you know, connecting with a few uppercuts and everything, and it was, uh, you know, several takedowns. and At least one of the rounds, just there wasn't much going on at all, so that was kind of a bummer, but, you know, it's going to happen, especially with the, you know, guys, you know, that I think that happens yeah. more often than not on the on the Ultimate Fighter just because either guys are pacing themselves or just haven't trained properly yet or anything like that. But, uh, no, it wasn't horrible. Uh, much of the fights this season have been still much superior to uh, the Kimbo season. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And uh, something that really stuck out to me and uh, my roommate who just got into MMA recently. Really? It was uh, just noticing, like, how much better coaches Chuck and Tito are. And Chuck's not even there half the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's been missing yeah. some fights. He's got one more fight to miss, apparently. Too. Yeah. He's got previous engagements. But he's got his older clone, uh, Hackleman, in there. Like, he just looks like a bald Chuck with glasses. I'm Professor Chuck <laughs> <laughs> It's probably his alter ego. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, you know, so he, he was cornering Team Liddell again. But, yeah, I mean... Yeah, my roommate was talking. He didn't watch much of the Ultimate Fighter with uh, Rashad and Rampage, but he was just saying basically, it's like, you know, I don't watch too much, but, you know, Tito's so much better of a coach than Rampage, even if I, like, you know, don't care for his personality or whatever. The fact that he actually, like, knows what he's talking about and is expressing it in words that are productive to helping <laughs> the person in the cage. Yep. It's, mm-hmm. like, such an improvement, you know, which is, it's really nice because the Ultimate Fighter is built around personalities of the fighters, of, of the uh, coaches, that sort of thing. But at the same time, you know, it is supposed to be some sort of, one would hope, a learning experience for the fighters trying to work their way into the UFC. Yeah. And yeah. So, so it is really it, very impressive to see Tito, you know, even even when his team's been losing, just being able to offer valuable insight, it seems. Well, there's definitely a lot of value in having the mix. Because, like, Rampage, he's got a hell of a personality. He, he's great for the, the talking bits, and when he was getting all up in Rashad's face, that was extremely entertaining, but... He was completely worthless as a coach. Yeah. And then on the flip side, there's some other guys who could be, you know, a very good coach, but really not very entertaining to watch. Yeah. And Rampage was able to bring in a team, so technically he doesn't have to be, you know, that hands-on, does he? I mean, he's he's coach in name only? Well, in theory, yeah, but it's... uh... I don't really... I don't know his whole team too well, but I don't think a whole lot of some of them either. Tiki uh, was the most uh, relevant of his coaches, and he's really not an 
he's not a great fighter, for one. I don't know a whole lot about his coaching skills because they didn't really, you know, emphasize that a whole lot. But I, I wouldn't have wanted to be on Rampage's team up and down. Like, I would much rather be on Rashad's team. Not even just that Rashad was a better coach, but that Rashad's coaches looked like better coaches, too. Right. It seems like, and and who knows, you know, it might just be the way the shows are kind of put together and stuff, but... You know, a lot of times you can tell coaches just don't have an interest in the fighters that they're 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 coaching, and you know, Rampage was pretty a, pretty much a perfect example of that he won't even go into the cage half the time after they lost or after they fought, and it really seems when you know whether it's true or not, Tito Tito and Chuck seem to have more uh, vested interest interest in their uh, in their uh, students, as it were, uh, in the fighters yeah. they're training. You know, well, they're trying to build a brand, I think. You know, while. Uh, Rampage Jackson is still, you know, driving around with, you know, himself on his own right. car. Lawsuit yeah. dropped, by the way. I don't know if you guys heard that. Ooh. Ooh. Not responsible for the miscarriage of that woman. What? Yeah. So it's it's a good, it's been a good week all around for MMA fighters in potential legal trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I'd like to throw out is that while the show is about the fighters, yeah. um, you know, probably... 75% of the fighters really don't matter. We're not going to see them after the show. I mean, they'll make the finale. Uh, the better ones will make the finale. And if you lose on the finale, you're pretty much done in the UFC. You know, you can come back to the UFC. But you know, there's always going to be 16 or whatever guys that are going to be on the show. But, you know, there's going to be a few of them that matter. But then it's also the coaches because whichever coach wins the most fights, even on seasons where they don't fight each other in the end, which has happened a couple of seasons, there's always kind of the bragging rights. Like, yeah, my team won. My team did this and this. And you always see it in the coaches that kind of talk all kinds of smack like, man, I'm so happy that, you know, my team is winning all these fights. Or, you know, I'm really upset that my team is losing so much just because, you know, they've got a game in it too. They're not personally in there fighting, but they've got – or they should at least feel like they've got that invested interest in, uh, you know, coming out the winner of the show. Yeah. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting, I read about this previous episode because I didn't see it, is that there's all kinds of injuries going on. And with the wild card thing going on, there's got to be two fighters that are going to come out. And it sounds like right now the big uh, prerequisite is surviving long enough without an injury to get into that wild card stats. Yeah, and judging from the previews for this upcoming, uh, this week's episode, it sounds like someone else might get injured. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as far as they did focus a bit on the injuries, and then it was a three-round fight, so that was basically the whole show. That, uh, 30, the yeah, yeah, you're on DVR, you hit, like, the 35-minute mark, and, you know, the... The match starts just about. Yeah, yeah, but uh, other than that, it was focusing on uh, what Clayton McKinney, uh, the the mint green, chocolate, mint chocolate. Uh, actually, turns out he had a real injury, which uh, man, I almost yelled at my team because I was, t- I was talking to my buddy who was watching with me. Like, this is the thing that drives me crazy about the Ultimate Fighter is when guys have injuries, people always give him crap. Like, oh, he's sandbagging it. Oh, he's probably not injured. He's just doing it to play the game. And maybe that happens every once in a while, but uh, that does not not a reason just for the coaches and everyone just to be like. What a sissy. He had to have surgery. It turns out, like, McKinney had to have surgery and all this stuff. And, yeah, it, I always just find that it's well, just I mean, a they, weird dynamic. But they had, a, they had an episode where they gave him, a, you know, a right. scan and everything. Not good enough, X-ray. man. Not good enough. Just saying. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you were one of those guys, too, that kind of called him out, weren't you? What? I don't remember. Okay. This is a week-to-week podcast. There's no continuity <laughs> here. It's not lost, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> Call back to the polar bear with the crown on. Yeah. I don't get it either. But I suppose you could verify this. I guess Tito apologized to Clayton, and then as soon as Tito turned his back, Clayton gave him the double bird. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Pretty nice. awesome. 
But yeah, no, it's just a very interesting. I mean, this has been going on, uh, I think, since the Ultimate Fighter started. There's always like that guy who people. And like last year was Matt Mitrione, and you know, again, you, you, there's no way necessarily of verifying how bad these injuries may or may not be. But just the idea that like, oh, this guy's not willing to die in the cage. He sucks. <laughs> and like, that's just a weird uh, mindset for me. But. I'm much more mild than many people, I suppose. Well, also, these people are, you know, as a general rule, paid to punch each other in the face for right, our right. entertainment. And, um, you know, when somebody gets on the show, gets on national television, yep. and is like, ooh, my knee, yep. you know, it really hurts. You know, if you've got a legitimate injury... We'll apologize. You know, we under legitimate injuries do happen, but you know we've seen it enough times on the Ultimate Fighter now where somebody's like, "Yeah, I was kind of sandbagging yeah. it," and uh, you know, I don't really want to fight. I mean, it's happened a number of times, and I think that's probably part of the issue is that you know you're guilty until proven innocent in a situation like this. God bless reality television. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, I'll say that Clayton was toughing out. He went and fought yep. with his shoulder injury. Uh, so, hey, man, g- good on you. You were tougher than we thought you might have been. Yeah. But, uh, you know, sometimes, and Matt Mitrione is the perfect example where he was acting all weird, and then all of a sudden it's time to fight. He's like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm cool. Uh, and, you know, that, that's happened a number of times, whether or not they ever do decide to fight. Because sometimes they're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm done. That's yeah. it. So that's probably where that comes in. Yeah. That's just all, yeah, it just yeah, for me always very season to season about stuff. And I just find it interesting how those guys end up being portrayed. Sometimes it's worth it, sometimes it's not. So. They got to really, di- you yeah. know, dance it down a lot. Yeah, like yeah. especially some episodes yeah. where you get 35 minutes yeah. of plot, even then it's like, you know, commercials and everything like yeah. that, but yeah, it's well, tough. Well, and, you know, even though the show's been on for several years now, we're seeing, you know, repeats of characters and stuff. There's, like, the guy who steals clothes. Mm-hmm. The guy who just acts out for no reason to get attention on the TV show. I know, the first uh, the first mm-hmm. night they're, they're hitting whistles or kazoos, whatever they're yeah, doing. Yeah, an air horn, I think. Yeah. That's what it was, yeah. I haven't seen any raging alcoholics this season yet. Um, Maybe they cut that down. Might be a good idea that Zufa should stop providing them as much alcohol as they want. Hey, guys, uh, train. I did notice on, I think it was the first episode after they got in the house, and uh, I think it was uh, Clayton uh, yeah. reaches into a, a cupboard and just, like, there's all kinds of different flavors of protein powder in there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that seems like a much more healthy alternative. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it seems like the kind of thing fighters would want to be going for because I mean, they are athletes. Sure, they're, you know... Guys, too, you know, everyone likes to have a beer here and there. But, uh, you know, it, it seems like it would be more something that they want to go for with the uh, the fighting lifestyle. It always seemed to me like drinking all that beer would not only be, you know, entertaining television, but it would be detrimental to your fighting ability. Yes. I would think it would make it more difficult to make weight, for example. Oh, most definitely, <laughs> but uh makes for more better drama, right? Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so... Ultimate Fighter. I, I'm still kind of, you know, I think a lot of the drama, in, in addition to who's going to make it all the way, is, you know, when's Tito going to go out? Because, I mean... That's right. Just waiting for that other other shoe to fall. Right. Out. Yeah, is he going to get, like, swine flu, or what's going to happen? Well, and, and how they're going to deal with it. Is yeah. there going to be a, a period where there's no coach? We all know that eventually Rich Franklin is going to step in, yeah. but we don't really know how it's going to be handled. So I think that's interesting, too. Yeah. Let the inmates run the asylum for a couple episodes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
<laughs> you stand like a girl. <laughs> it can well, happen. Yeah. All right. What else we have? Well, um, I just saw this today. SureDog's reporting that the Tennessee Athletic Commission has issued uh, citations to six people who were involved in the strike force uh, post-fight brawl. We're on national television. Gentlemen, please. This happens sometimes in mixed martial (laughs) arts. Also every other sport. Feel free to mention that. (laughs) Uh, But uh, so no one's been officially, um, I guess, fined or uh, suspended or anything like that. But basically, according to the the report, like I said, from SureDog, the Tennessee Athletic Commission just sent out notices basically to these fighters. We're like, hey, um, according to people who saw you on live television being involved in this fight, uh, you were involved in this fight. Hmm. Do you oh, ca- snap. Would, would you like to like um, contest that? Comment on the issue, I believe, is what it was. Mm. So that's um, let's see. Individuals have two weeks from the day they get the letter to submit a written response. Apparently. Oh man, they got it right. Yeah, mm-hmm. they got their managers to do that though. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. I was um, worried about the Diaz's. Right, it's right. in crayon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, apparently, and uh, the Athletic Commission itself didn't release the names of the fighters, but uh, it sounds like most of Team Gracie. And then probably Mayhem. Yeah, uh, Team Gracie, Jake Shields, Gilbert Melendez, Nick Diaz, all have uh, been confirmed by their trainer that they've been, uh, got got the letters. Um, Apparently, Nate Diaz did not, though, because he, he was not an official, officially sanctioned cornerman at that fight, which I thought he was. Huh. Um, and since it's from the Athletic Commission, I'm, my assumption is that the Athletic Commission can't cite someone who wasn't at an event in any official capacity, you know. So he probably just he just he might jumped just, in the ring, Vanderlei Silva style. <laughs> right. But, yeah, I mean, because the Athletic Commission could, of course, you know, uh, issue penalties or fines to judges or referees, fighters, but, cornermen. But not to fans. But, yeah, and, and technically, yeah, if Nate Diaz wasn't there in any official capacity, I don't know if there's much they can do to him. Um, then what was he doing in the cage? He, he was representing, man. Stop <laughs> That's right. But, uh, yeah. So not, not entirely clear who else has been uh, issued the letters, but uh, safe to assume Jason Mahan Miller has. Um, Strike Force actually pulled him off of his... Um, Sounds like they're working. His uh, high horse. Well, no, the uh, his upcoming uh, fight. Upcoming fight with uh, Robbie Lawler. Oh, they were no. planning for. It was going to yeah. be an E three. Uh, There's the perfect cross promotion of nerds, geeks, and uh, MMA. Oh, uh, and they pulled him, huh? Yeah, because yeah. they were expecting that he's going to be suspended or something like yeah. that. I guess they've pulled Nick Diaz from his upcoming fight as well, just because they assumed there was a very likely suspension going on there. So that was more precaution. But if there's no suspensions coming out, maybe they'll change their mind. I don't know. Maybe that's kind of their in-house punishment. I I think, you know, even if if the athletic commission just issues fines and no suspensions, I think it would would help Strikeforce a lot to even, you know, just keep their fighters off for a little bit, you know, just kind of save face a little bit. But it sounds like Nick Diaz will be able to fight in dreams still. Because of you know it's not regulated or sanctioned by any you know governing body in the U.S. But yeah, he won't be he was uh, won't be able to fight in strike force. Uh, I think it was within the next couple months. Well, one thing that I've heard, um, and this is more if it's the state athletic commission, is that if you are on a suspension from the state athletic commissions, um, you can go ahead and fight in Japan. But if you do, you're pretty much saying I'm never fighting in America again, because you know they, they suspend you. They want you to not fight. The right. fact that you're going and fighting, you know, Japan can go ahead and hire you, but you're slapping the commission in the face. So you're probably not going to get reinstated with a fighter's license. Yeah, it'll be interesting to uh, see, uh, again, once the uh, once the official decision from the athletic commission comes down as to what their penalties may be. But uh, 
I guess, uh, yeah, according to the SureDog report, uh, they're allowed to issue license suspensions or revoke them uh, and fine individuals up to a quarter million dollars. But that actually might be a a pretty nice trick if uh, Strikeforce wants to send Diaz over to Japan if he's not suspended by the athletic commission. Be like, yeah, we're not giving him any fights because he needs to lay low for a while, but, yeah, he's going to fight over there. Yeah. Those guys can hire him if he really wants. Yeah, but... Definitely, but I mean, at least he's got his fight, uh, Sakurai. So, uh, Dream 14th, uh, May 29th. Mayhem is very popular over in Japan too. Yeah, who knows if, who get a fight. if he'll show up? But yeah, uh, Strike Force has still on the schedule June 16th in LA during the E3 uh, Electronics Expo and third E convention. I don't know what the third one's for. Maybe entertainment. Yeah, we'll go with that. It's probably <laughs> it. As a geek, I should know this, but I forgot. Um, but yeah, so June 16th, and it sounds like it's going to be a Babalu versus Robbie Lawler in a catchweight bout. So interesting, probably 195. I, I would imagine so. That 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 could be that could be a fun uh, match. That could be. Although Babalu pretty much got destroyed in his last match fighting Garrett Musasi. Yeah. And uh, you know Robbie Lawler is another guy with heavy hands. So yeah, but Babalu's got the submission game as long as he lets go of submissions when he's supposed to. <laughs> uh, it usually works out well for him. And uh, yeah, Robbie Lawler. Heavy hands, good striker, good brawler, but uh, has shown in the past a, a weakness to submissions. So we'll uh, we'll find out. Speaking of E3, downloaded the UFC demo Ooh. for the Xbox. <laughs> it's also available on PlayStation. I know neither of you guys have downloaded it yet, but it's available on the Internet. Um, as of right now, when we're recording this podcast, you still have to sign up for the community to get it, but I believe they open it up in a few days. Mm-hmm. Um you get four characters that you get to play on the download. It's Machida, Shogun, Rampage, and Rashad Evans. So you can have any combination of those guys in a match as opposed to last year when it was only Chuck Liddell and Shogun. So it was, every match was between the two guys. Which I still played forever. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I put a lot of time into that, but it's really nice having the variety. And that's probably why they did that because they knew how many people went and just you played that for hours. Yeah, very very helpful. So, I mean, I, I've... You know, seen some of the preview videos and read some articles on it, but I mean, just from playing the demo, has it improved uh, significantly from uh, last year's edition? They've reworked a few things that have really um, thrown a, kind of a wrench into some stuff. The stand-up is basically the same with mm-hmm. the addition of the sways. You can juke and jive a little bit, um, but that's really not the best tactic for the most part. You can dodge a few shots. There was one time I narrowly avoided a head kick by swinging my head back, Mm. and that seemed pretty cool, but at the same time, I also could have put my hands up. And when you do that, I think you take some of the damage, but not all the damage, so I would have survived it, you Mm. know. But, uh, you know, sometimes you, you pull your head back, and then you pull your head forward again, and I think that may add some power to a shot if you mistime your sway. So... It's the kind of thing you'll want to do strategically, but you won't just want to be completely moving your head around all the time because you can get knocked out doing that. But it did lead to some cool counters. Um, The clinch game seems to me like the biggest change. Um, There was not really a whole lot to do in the clinch in the previous game. There was the Muay Thai clinch and the Greco clinch, and both of them were very simplistic, and they've changed it to where it's more like the ground game where you do the... uh, the rotations on the right stick instead of just pushing forward or pushing okay. back. Um, and it's 
you can also change from one clinch to the other now. You can, like, have the guy in the, the Greco kind of hug-style clinch, and I, I really haven't mastered this at all, so I couldn't tell you how to do it. I can't really do it predictably myself either. Mm-hmm. But you can go from that clinch to the tie clinch, and uh, you can throw a few knees and then, you know, get the takedown shortly mm-hmm. after that. So they've definitely added to it. I think once the pieces come together, it'll be better. But right now, just me trying to play it against the computer, I get my butt kicked when I end up in the clinch. Then I also get pushed up in the cage, which is something else they added, which seems like it's kind of cool in the realism aspect, but there's not a whole lot going on when you're clinched up against the cage, much like in real life, so it's it's very realistic. Can you put stomp? I don't think so. Uh, I, I haven't tried though. Maybe if I hold the you know low attack and then hit kick, they might they might throw that in there. But That'd be awesome. I bet that I'm usually the guy who's up against the cage though, fighting the computer. Um, but they, they've certainly added a lot of stuff. They've also changed uh, the grappling on the ground just a little bit. Um, it seems like it's mostly the same, but they've added a couple positions. They now have a back mount where you're facing down. Okay. And they've actually got a a standing clinch where you've got the guy's back, where there's some pretty cool slams. You can do a back suplex. But they also have made it so um, when you try to spam the 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 transitions, there's kind of an auto-block mode, so you don't have to hold the, the joystick the whole time anymore. Oh, good. So you, you will auto-block it, but you won't always auto-block it. So if they do it enough times, they'll eventually pass it. So... That makes it so you can more concentrate on doing the punches and work on advancing yourself than mm-hmm. just holding back and timing it. So, like I said, I think once I get some more practice in and, you know, same for uh, anyone else out there, it'll probably be cooler overall. But right now it's kind of frustrating because they took a game with a pretty steep learning curve and just made it a lot steeper. Right, and there's no uh, there's no tutorial in the demo, is there? There isn't. Ooh. And that was really hard. I actually had to go onto the forums to find out how the hell to do the sway because I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. So that was that was pretty frustrating, but I think I've got just about everything figured out now in terms of how to do it. It's just a matter of implementing it and you know making it actually work. Interesting. But no. it, it's a great game. Uh, the graphics are really good, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Sweet. Now, um, I mean, some of the stuff they were kind of hyping before is, like, it's going to, the characters are going to be more accurate. Like, I know in last year's edition, kind of everyone just kind of had the kind of same, they stood the same. I don't even think there were southpaws in last year's game. Did you notice any big differences in that stuff at all? There are southpaws in this one. They actually have Rashad Evans as a southpaw, which um, I didn't think he was a southpaw. Um, but, you know, he's a wrestler, so sometimes wrestlers put their uh, strong foot forward anyway, so right. they might have been going with that. But they do have southpaws, and they definitely, that was kind of another thing that they talked about in this game, where they they mixed up the striking styles of people. Just because you have the same style doesn't mean you're going to have the same all-around attacks. Or stance or um, something like that, yeah. Unfortunately, we've as the demo, we've only got a handful of characters, and... Uh, I think there's only two guys who have the same style standing up, and that would be Rashad and Rampage, I think, are both boxers. But there is some difference. Like, for example, uh, Rashad has a high kick while Rampage does not. So uh, there's certainly some differences. Another thing is that they've added a few styles. There is now karate, 
probably just because of Lyoto Majida. I right. can't imagine. I mean, maybe GSP has it, yeah. but I wouldn't imagine there's a whole lot of karate guys on the game. And they've added Greco-Roman wrestling in addition to regular wrestling, which is freestyle. Yep. And um, apparently there's Sambo, which seems strange to me. Um, That's so you can make your Fedor clone. Yeah. But Sambo is so close to judo. You, I, if I were to make a fader, I just would have given him judo. I don't know that there's any Sambo fighter in the UFC. And there's certainly not I can think of off the top of my head. So uh, that seems like a really strange choice. Yeah. And also just strange because, you know, before it was three striking, three grappling, and now it's four striking and five grappling. And they just gave us, you know, a, a grappling style that they kind of pulled out of their ass. Hmm. I would have thought, you know, if they're going to give us that, maybe give us another crazy striking style like Taekwondo, which, you know, not really a very popular one. But, you know, hey, maybe somebody wants to make his guy a Taekwondo guy. Yeah. Or like uh, Wing Chun or something. Something, Something. Really, Capoeira. Uh, yeah, that'd be yeah. great. <laughs> that was always fun. So, uh, create a character on this game eventually? Yes. When you get the full game, there's going to be a create a character, and they haven't really gone into it too much other than saying it's going to be better, which I'm inclined to believe because there's better fighters this time around. And when when I say that, I mean more variety. Like, I think last year the only reason there was no Clay Guida is because they didn't want to make his hair. <laughs> and Clay Guida's on the game now, uh, as is Dan Hardy with the Mohawk. There was no Mohawk fighter this last time. So I think they just the fact that they've made these uh, these fighters with different looks probably suggests something about the creative character mode. But also, you know, I've seen this in other games, you know, like that first WrestleMania game we had on the, the GameCube back in the day. There, there was no creative character mode practically. I mean, you, they're... they're was a mode, but there was nothing you could do with it. Would you like your character to wear shirts and pants? Yes. You're done. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, as the games progressed, the the modes just got bigger and bigger, and you could do more and more stuff. So, you know, I think the first game is, as a general rule, like establishing what the game is, and then usually the second game rolls around and they give you more choices. I thought the creative character mode was pretty good in a lot of ways, but there was something that's just like you couldn't do. You yeah. you couldn't have long hair. You couldn't even have medium length hair. Uh, you basically had to have a buzz cut. You know, mm. The longest hair you could have was Forrest Griffin's haircut, I believe. Uh, and, you know, th- there was the cookie cutter styles. Right. Um, so they've expanded that just by expanding everything else. They'll probably give you even more options on this. Once again, because the fighters have styles within styles i bet you know you could pick a boxer but then you get to you know focus on what you want your guy to be good at what you know like i mean i don't know how they would necessarily do it you know do you want to spend this many points to have a high kick do you want to spend you know that points and just having better combos instead uh i mean i I don't know how they do it but it's going to be bigger than last year at least yeah, we shall we shall definitely find out. And yeah. Matt, you got a you got a PS3, right? Yeah, I do. So you're gonna get cool exclusive characters like Dan Severn and Hoist Gracie, right? If and, I do it right, uh, and Jens yeah. Pulver. Well, yeah. all you have to do is pre-order it from the GameStop. Yeah. Um, and then like the entire cast of last season's Ultimate Fighter for the Xbox or for both if you pre-order. It yeah. Both. And that that's yeah. uh, the the semifinalists. Yeah. So Roy Nelson, obviously, he's the the winner, and then Brandon Schaub and. Big Baby Marcus Jones and James McSweeney, the other guy. The, the other guy who no one really cared about. Yeah. <laughs> Do we have a iffy-ish release date? 
It's May 25th, I believe. Nice. So good, good, uh, good date in there, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> so today being the third, we got like four weeks and a day. And a day. Sounds they come like. out on Tuesdays, don't they, new games? Yeah, usually. Along with the music? Yeah, that would be a Tuesday, seeing yep. as how we're recording this on a Monday. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. Not too long from now. Should be fun. I'm totally excited. I think I might just have to take that next day off of work. What the <laughs> hell? I, I did that when a couple of video games came out. See, the thing is, I, I want to spend money on the new Street Fighter game. but then I'm Screw also, that Street Fighter <laughs> game. <laughs> but then I'm also going to want to get the uh, UFC game, so it's going to be tough. It's the same Street Fighter game as the last one. No, it's one. super. It's, it's, it's still super Street, Street Fighter, Fighter 4. <laughs> but it's, it's just like back in the day. Super Street Fighter was way better than the original Street Fighter. So. Had super on it. So. <laughs> it's better characters. It was paced better. More levels. More variety. Mm. Mm. I don't know. It's just two players. Did they ever have a Street Fighter 1? Are you actually arguing that Super Street Fighter 2 is not better than... No, I am not arguing at all. It's just like, you know, you're a grown-ass man, and you're still playing <laughs> Street Fighter games where it's... It's new. Well, yeah, but it's so linear, and it's just like you and your roommate, you know, battling it out. You can like... the internet, right? Oh, I guess you could do it online. <laughs> That's true. I didn't think about it. Ah, I forgot about the internet, everybody. My bad. <laughs> so I think we just got done talking about a fighting game, and then you're like, but this fighting game sucks. Yeah, but I was over here. The other fighting game's awesome. <laughs> okay, okay. But our fighting game is in a cage, man. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no, like, Hadoukens and stuff. Yeah, jealous much? Come on. I was just bitter about that uh, <laughs> that thing that happened earlier. <laughs> Sorry you got your references between Tekken and Street Fighter wrong. <laughs> Yeah, way to go, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Idiot. Hey, so UFC 113. Woo! Mm. Talk about that. Hey, guess oh, yeah. what that's sponsored by? Oh, boy. Tekken? Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. So uh, this Leona Machida and uh, Shogun Hua rematch, uh, I'm actually very, very, very excited for this. I think this is a really interesting match. Um, for all practical purposes, Shogun should have won that match. I was leaning towards Machida more than probably anyone else was, and I thought Shogun should have won. My thing was, eh, you know, it could have been worse. I mean, I wasn't super upset with it. I thought he won, but I wasn't super upset with it. And I was one of the you know biggest Machida followers. I don't know that anyone saw that fight other than Machida's mom and thought that he won. Um, so this is a fight that... Besides the judges. Yes, besides the judges. Those damn judges <laughs> playing their PlayStation pockets instead of watching the fights. Sure, be nice if they had some monitors. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I think this is an interesting fight because we're gonna get to see a number of things. We're gonna get to see how Leoto Machida reacts to somebody having figured out his game plan now, because this is the first time that somebody has actually come in there with a strategy that works against Machida, because everyone else has just completely fallen into his trap. Yep. Um, on the other hand, we're going to have Shogun, who probably feels more pressure to finish the fight, and that's what Machida loves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, because in that fight, Shogun basically out-Machida'd Machida. He did what Leota Machida does to him and just did it better. Uh, you know, he worked more leg kicks than Leota does. Leota really worked the body more. But for all practical purposes, he was laying back and he was doing the... The, the counter-striking and, and not coming in. If he feels that pressure to finish because, you know, it's like I can't win a decision no matter how many points I'm ahead, 
and he starts going in for the kill, that could mean he gets taken out. So I think this is going to play out. It's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. You know, I was one of a million people out there who thought that Machida was going to win. Uh, just, I mean, and not even from a skill standpoint, like this guy is so much better, so he's going to w- win by first round knockout. I just thought he was going to win in the first or second round because Shogun is normally so aggressive. Yeah, overcommit, you know, throws a lot of big punches, and I, yeah, I thought he was going to overcommit and get caught eventually. And um, I can see it being a very big possibility where he's going to have the the pressure to finish, and he could maybe do that and it end up costing him. So I think his best bet is probably to turn it up towards the end. You know, keep working those leg kicks uh, and, you know, hope that Machida hasn't found a, a comeback to that strategy because, you know, maybe he has. But then maybe turn it up later on in the fight if you're looking to finish. Yeah, I mean, trying to figure pick this fight's been really, like, kind of difficult for me, you know, based on the, you know, the first fight, yeah, I, I also kind of figured Machida would win, and then afterwards I was like, wow, Chogun totally won that. He didn't? What? And then went insane. And th- this fight, you know, there's so many questions around it. it that's what kind of, like, the drama just really builds. It's really great. Because, um, yeah, you know, is Machida going to adjust his game plan because, you know, he's fighting someone again who was very effective against him? Is Hua going to use the same game plan that arguably won him the fight? But, uh, you know, and I would imagine he's going to use a similar game plan, but as Greg mentioned, get more aggressive towards the end of the fight which uh, I think could uh, honestly get him in, in trouble because, uh, again, Machida's shown that he's very good against people who get too aggressive towards him. So um, uh, I'm going to have to give him, like, I, I'm going to pick Machida on this one just kind of based on the idea that Hua has more to prove this time because even if he did the same strategy as last fight, which worked well for him, you know, he's got that in the back of his head that the judges didn't give him a decision that last time. So he, I, I think it's going to come down to the pressure and, Wanting to wanting to finish strong, and I, I think it I think it'll cost him the fight. But uh, it would not surprise me to see either of these guys win, and, and I have no idea how it's actually going to play out. But just kind of based on the previous fight, you know, we'll see. I'm, but I'm I'm super psyched for it, and it's nice to be psyched for a fight where it it almost has nothing to do with their personalities or like out of the ring like trash talk or anything or Twitter posts to each other. It's just like <laughs> two guys who had a really good first fight and it ended controversially in a lot of people's eyes. And it was, you know, very, very, very close. And just, like, the strategy element that comes into it, that that's really fun to see a fight like that come together. So. Hooray. Matt, yeah. who do you got? Oh, man, I don't know. If I if I guessed somebody at this point, I would just be guessing for the hell of it. Like who I've would seen... win a fight, a dragon or a shogun? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I've seen both of them, both of them fight before, right. and, you know, I just uh, don't know enough about them at this point. So, um... Hmm. Yeah. Shogun. All right. Do you, do either of you guys think we're going to see this fight go to the ground much at all? You know, um, I think it was Shogun I read uh, had a quote to say like he felt that the ground would be his biggest advantage. He's actually got a pretty good ground game. He does have a good ground game. We we haven't really seen it much in the UFC because his only time on the ground was against Forrest Griffin and he got choked out. And Forrest Griffin has also got an underrated ground game, uh, so that kind of made Shogun look bad. That he's like he got choked out by Forrest, yep. the guy who stands and bangs with everyone. But you know, Forrest is no joke on the ground. Um, and also, Shogun had gotten really tired by that point too. So, you know, Shogun's got an underrated ground game by a, a lot of the the mainstream fans out there. 
That said, Machida's got a good ground game too. So, you know, just because that's your biggest advantage doesn't mean you've got a huge advantage. Um, that said, he might want to go for the the takedown if it presents itself because I don't see it presenting itself a whole lot. Right. Machida's not easy to guy to take down. No. I I would think of the two guys, Shogun is significantly easier to take down because he generally comes forward, but he doesn't come forward against Machida. So. You know, once again, kind of going back to that, we don't know how the fight's going to play out. Yeah. I would also have to pick Machida in this fight, much for the same reason that you just said, that uh, while it's not fair, because it isn't, um, I think Shogun's going to have some mental issues that are going to lead to him deviating from his previous strategy, and I don't know that he can have a better strategy than he had in his last fight. Right, what else could he do, yeah. I mean, he might have something planned that's even better that's going to blow us away, but he planned for Machida, and Machida planned for what Shogun usually does. Shogun did something different, so Machida's game plan went out the window, but Shogun had the perfect game plan. Right. So now that Sh- uh, Machida's probably got two game plans right now. He's probably got the regular Shogun and then the Shogun who's fighting me. So I would think that he would be more adaptable yep. right now unless Shogun catches me by surprise. Yep. Um, but I would think that if the fight gets taken to the ground, it's most likely when Shogun gets aggressive, he gets taken down. Mm. And um, I don't think it finishes there um, because they're both good on the ground, but I don't really feel that either of them... I think they're better survivors on the ground than finishers on the ground. So I don't see like a submission being locked on very likely, um, especially since both of them have pretty good gas tanks, as we saw in the last fight. Yeah, surprisingly from uh, or, uh, Hua, who's in the past shown some less than stellar uh, cardio. Well, but he, I think a lot had to do with his knees. Yeah, right? he yeah. had exceptional cardio in his pride days, yeah. but he's had a series of injuries. Uh, you know, the Mark Coleman arm break, and then he had some knee injuries. So um, I attribute it more to that. Yeah. I remember reading before the Machida fight at a physical, he had a resting heart rate of 42 beats per minute, which is marathon runner stuff. That's pretty zen. Yeah. So, I'm he's a guy who is often in incredible shape, but we haven't seen him in the UFC just because of a, you know, of timing. He came to the UFC at probably the lowest point in his career. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I don't want to take anything away from Forrest Griffin cuz Forrest Griffin, you know, came in there and and beat him up. But um, you know, at the same time, he he had some some issues, and I think a lot of the issues kind of came after that. Um, he he had the shoulder surgery, I think it was, but or the the arm injury before Griffin had you know his shoulder injury, but then uh, Hua had his his knee surgery, I believe, afterwards. So he he's had some cardio issues, but I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's quite in the the same vein as like a Mark Coleman who's had cardio issues for ten years. Right. But yeah, yeah, after the Griffin fight, he didn't fight for over a year, so yeah, he's recovering and all that stuff. So we you talked about uh the takedowns, uh, if that'll play a role in the fight, and that is the best transition we could get to the uh the other featured I, I don't know, the co- it's not the co main event, but uh Josh Koscheck versus Paul Daly. It's not the co main event? It's the uh what what do they call that? The uh like the top of the undercard? What, do you, what, what would one well, call it? It's not in the undercard. It's on the main card. Right. Sorry. What would you, uh, the feature bout? I would call it the co-main event. All right. Anyways, <laughs> with that transition that we, we just killed and 
Yeah. Check in. <laughs> I didn't feel no. too good about your transition there. So I, I guess I, I, I liked it with like the, you know the takedowns and Koscheck's the wrestler, and then I ruined it. Fraggle Rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Josh Koscheck, Paul Daly. Uh, Great war of words. Oh my goodness. Oh really? Oh man, go on to MMATorch.com and just look for the UFC quotables, and they've just said all kinds of great stuff about each other. Yeah, I mean, Brit- British fighters in general have just been really top notch with the trash talk, and Koscheck can. Throw his own back as well, and it's, it's uh, I don't I don't know if the fight's going to be as good as the trash talk, honestly. <laughs> I really don't. Well, uh, both both fighters are saying it's going to be short. Koscheck is saying he's going to go in for the takedown and beat him up. Apparently, which, probably a good decision. Yeah, good call on that one, Josh. Um, I thought I had heard something earlier about him saying I'm going to stand up there and knock him out. And he's like, oh, Josh, that's a terrible idea. Yeah, so, something along along the lines of standing toe to toe with him, which uh, might yeah. have been. Seemed like a bad idea, but um, you know, I don't see Daly stopping the takedown. Um, I, I I would be pretty surprised if if he can keep it standing up for very long. Um, whether or not he can survive on the ground, that may be another story. So I think that's going to be the big question: is you know, is he going to get into the second round? Is he going to get into the third round? Is he going to be able to stop the fight before it goes to the ground? Or is Josh going to get dumb and, you know, try and stand and bang? Because that's something that happens to uh, grapplers pride a whole lot, especially guys like Josh Koscheck or Dan Henderson, who find that they've got a lot of power in their hands and decide that, hey, you know, I can knock guys out too. Even if their technique's not uh, very good, yeah. Yeah, and that doesn't work too well against guys who are have been striking for their whole lives. So, um, you know, th- this is, I would think, probably Josh's fight to lose. Um, just looking at it from a stylistic uh, matchup, I would think that Josh would have the advantage in controlling where the fight goes and then being the superior guy on the ground. He's going to be on top. He's got good ground and pound. He's got a good rear naked choke. It seems to be his go-to submission. And, um, you know, while we haven't seen Paul Daly's ground game in the UFC, he's lost before on the ground. Um Jake Shields beat him a couple years ago, and Jake Shields is really good too. But mm-hmm. Jake Shields is actually a lot like Josh Koscheck, so I think I think this fight should go Josh's way. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree that it is really Koscheck's fight to lose, and not to draw direct comparisons between Josh Koscheck and uh, George St. Pierre, but just the idea, just kind of the the style matchup that they both recently had against someone who. You know, arguably much better, or has better stand up, and it really the only chance to win a fight, their, their opponent's only chance to win the fight is standing up. Uh, so it's much to the Josh Koscheck's advantage to go for takedowns to dominate his opponent on the ground. And, you know, it really, you know, he can control the tempo and the pace by doing that. And it, it's really only if he gets it in his head that it's like, oh, I'm going to knock him out, then, uh, then he's going to get in trouble. You know, if he decides to try and stand and bang for any amount of time, I would imagine it's going to end badly for him. Yeah, well, you know, every fight starts out standing up, yep. so, you know, it, it's going to be on him to get that takedown. Uh, they don't generally just shoot in for the takedown from across the cage, so uh, he's he's going to have to at least come in there and, you know, throw a punch or two most likely. So it's, it's really just a matter of how quick does he go for it, how effectively do, does he go for it, and uh, does he really want it? Uh, because, once again, you know, guys like that don't always feel that they want it. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm excited to see this fight, and again, I think a lot of the pre-fight hype is might might end up being much yeah. better. Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels in an octagon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Some pretty witty uh, banter, yeah. I'm trying to pull some of them up. But, yeah, the, the fraggle quote, of course. Um, Something about see. guys with glass chins shouldn't throw stones. Yeah, <laughs> yep, I like that one. Yeah, faring for his well-being if he uh, tries to stand with them. Yeah, Paul Daly on Josh Koscheck. Because Koscheck says something about knocking him out. People with glass chins should not throw stones. <laughs> you know. Snap! I, 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 <laughs> Damn! I think my favorite one so far from... Uh, Paul Daly is, I don't have a BJJ black belt, but I'm sure I hit a lot harder, a little harder than Paulo Tiago, who almost decapitated costs like a geek in a horror film. <laughs> Another part of that actually was something along the lines of, uh, it was going to be a trivia question one day, who's the Fraggle Rock looking guy who got knocked out, the only person to ever be knocked out by Paulo Tiago, Josh Koscheck for 10 points. Yep. <laughs> but to be fair... Paulo Tiago practically knocked out Mike Swick. Yes. Um, I mean, he, he ended up winning by choke, but that was, uh, you know, similar to the Frank Mir Czech Congo finish, where it was like, yeah, he won by submission, but it was a punch that set that submission up. Just because they locked in a submission doesn't really mean that that doesn't tell the story of the fight. And mm-hmm. the story of the fight is that, you know, Mike Swick got his ass kicked standing up. Yeah. I guess we should... Uh... Give Koscheck one quote at least. Uh, every time Paul Daly goes to bed at night, he's going to think, oh, crap, Koscheck's probably going to take me down and throw me on my head. So, hmm. you know. Yeah, we could work on that a little bit. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Wrestlers don't have, you know, like if you're a stand-up fighter, you got, you know, like, oh, I'm going to knock him out with my right hand or my oh, left sure. hand, yeah. thunder, lightning, and then, like, wrestlers like, I'm going to double leg takedown him. <laughs> I mean, so, but I mean, it's a good, Josh Koscheck's got very, very good wrestling, very high-level wrestling, and again... Yeah, it, not a good it's... sport for, for sound bites. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to powerbomb him, drive his pile. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll see. But uh, no, I, again, I think it really is up to Koscheck where this fight yeah. takes place and how it goes. Yeah, there's certainly big implications for this fight. Um, and it's, it's a fight that could very well be a very quick one. Mm-hmm. Um much like the uh, the Mir Carwin fight, where it's like, yeah, you know, whoever wins this fight is getting a title shot, and it's going to be this huge epic brawl. But it could just be like four minutes long. Yeah. And this is a similar fight. The winner of this fight, I believe, is going to be coaching with George St. Pierre on Ultimate Fighter season twelve, which means most likely they're getting the next title shot too. Yeah, which is uh, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of having like contenders for belt coach against the champ, just because it it basically removes the 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 champ and the the belt from the the uh, rest of the division for like nine months or something like yeah. that because they got to film the show then they got to let the show air and then they got to you know have have the fight come up again so it, it, it's just a big time suck but you know it, it, at least it'll give on the plus side George St Pierre is almost out of not out of contenders necessarily but out of peop, uh, contenders people are familiar with or people want to see fight him yeah so I think this will be good uh, especially if it's I think the UFC's kind of got their fingers crossed that it's Paul Daly because he hasn't fought GSP before and he's talks a great game, has the, has the heavy hands, whereas Koscheck has fought him before, even though it was a non-title fight, um, you know. But it was a very competitive fight. It was certainly more competitive than any fight George mm-hmm. St. Pierre has had since then. Right. Is the first round or the last round he lost was against Josh Koscheck, I believe. Yeah. So I mean, he only won two rounds to one. So it would be interesting to see a five rounder. Yep. Um. But, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what you were saying with uh, the UFC holding up a title for, you know, a very significant amount of time. But I think that, like you were saying, this is probably the time to do it. 
One, because we get to see George St. Pierre on Spike, which, you know, like, when's the last time he's been there? Yeah. He, he was one of the coaches, kind of, for season four, but the fighters kind of also coached themselves that season. So. Right, and then they show up on the countdown show. He'll show up on a countdown show. Yeah, every once so, while, so it's going to be good to give him some airtime. And, um, you know, like you said, he, he's out of real contenders that people are interested to see. And, you know, a lot can happen in nine months. Yeah. Jake so, Shields could get signed to the UFC. Yeah. Or, you know, like somebody can just go on a tear and yeah. beat up a whole lot of guys. I mean, we didn't really know who Paulo Tiago was a year ago. He was that guy who got that flash knockout on Josh Koscik. I don't even know if that was a full year ago yet off the top of my head. Yeah. And he's like Rambo is about it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, a, a lot can happen in that time frame. Um, you know, he might have that fight that, you know, would potentially be against Koscik that not a whole lot of people are excited about. But in the meantime, somebody new pops up. But as a general rule, I definitely prefer Seasons of the Ultimate Fighter where it's more like this one we've got going on where it's Chuck Liddell and Tito, where it's name guys who really don't have anything to do with anything right now in terms right. of the title or even really being close. Uh, Rampage and Rashad w- didn't give me a whole lot of heartburn because neither of them held the title. But at the same time, you know, they're both high contenders. Yep. So... While they can still have title shots, you know, Lyoto Machida defended his title during the show. You know, there were some fights that those guys could have had in that time frame also, but not as big of a deal. But I certainly like the kind of legends idea mm-hmm. where uh, it really doesn't affect anything right. outside of the show. They, they've done it before, actually, with Tito also when he fought Ken Shamrock. Yeah. Well, and, you know, in, in this case, you know, Liddell and Tito, they actually have something to offer as coaches, so they're they're actually being, like, doubly productive as in bringing in ratings and then actually helping the fighters out a bit themselves. So. Yeah. Very fun. So how excited are you guys for Kimbo's pay-per-view debut? Woo! A billion pay-per-view buys, are we going to call it? A billion? I think Two that, billion. <laughs> I think you're lowballing it a little bit there. Yeah. This is Kimbo Slice. Yeah. YouTube superstar! <laughs> for years, you've been able to see him fight for free. Now pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that... Uh, I don't know how excited I am for the fight from, like, a purist standpoint, but, I mean, he's got that magnetism to him, you know, whether he's going to fight well or do a Kimbo slam or just get really tired during the fight. Or it's be always down, entertaining. Or I be knocked out by a jab. <laughs> Who knows? It, it, he, he always seems to have, be, be in entertaining fights. Um, but I think the really interest for me is can his success from YouTube, which transitioned into success on network TV and then bringing in the highest ratings ever for The Ultimate Fighter, is he going to bring any more to the pay-per-view scene? Is he going to be their next? Uh, just yeah. like a, can he do what Brock Lesnar did? They, they sure have given him enough time too. You yeah. know, like I think this is his one shot. They've had him for a while. They've been, you know, kind of nursing him. You know, with his oh, skill level and stuff like that. Oh, they have to. I mean, because despite his exposure, he's he's four and one. I mean, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And that one was really not against anyone. You know, good. Seth uh, Petrozelli was on The Ultimate Fighter once, right? Yeah, season two, and he's got a 0-2 UFC record, a weight class lower than Kimbo. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, knocked him out with a jab while walking backwards and standing on one foot. <laughs> this but... is all your fault, Ken Shamrock. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, even the guys that Kimbo have beaten kind of suck. Uh, I mean, Houston Alexander is probably his biggest win. Right. Uh, I, I would agree. Uh, I mean, he exploded James Thompson's ear. And he beat Take Abbott. Yeah, he did. 
Oh, and, oh yeah, yeah. And Ray Mercer, yeah. who now has a win over Tim Sylvia. Yeah. So by default, Kimbo could could beat a former UFC heavyweight champion. <laughs> yeah. According to MMA math. Uh, yeah. Because. Yeah, that's rough to think about. Yeah. Try to avoid math <laughs> whenever possible. But, uh, yeah, Kimbo versus Matt Mitrione, the uh, the meathead. The, the guy no one liked from last season of The Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, well, you know, the, the UFC set up the match between Meathead and Big Baby so Big yeah. Baby could get his uh, his revenge for Mitrione screwing up Scott Junk's eye and just, yep. you know, give it the beat down that everyone wanted to see Matt get because he was annoying and everyone loved uh, Marcus Jones, but then Marcus lost. Yeah. That was so sad. Lost bad. Yeah, yeah it, it, he won that first round in pretty convincing fashion, but then got knocked out like right away in the second round. And uh, you know, Kimbo is uh, uh, much more the same style as Matt Mitrione. So once again, I'm gonna say that they should go out there and bang, and somebody's gonna fall down. But I said that last time, and then they went to a decision. Yeah, yeah with. Grappling and circling, which yeah. was, were both unexpected. And the Kimbo Slam. Kimbo Slam! But, yeah, I, I have no... I, part of it is, you know, I haven't seen enough Matt Mitrione fighting to know what he's... what he, Really, all he has to offer. And, honestly, you can say the same, same thing about Kimbo Slice. I mean, you know, before the Houston Alexander fight, I'd be like, yeah, he's a brawler, blah, 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 blah. And he still is, primarily. But he's actually shown, despite it not being very well executed, an, an interest, at least, in, you know, working a little bit the ground. I mean, no one thought he was going to go for a takedown on Houston Alexander. Let alone a big slam. Right, and then he actually went for a submission, right? I mean, he was trying to lock in a, a guillotine or something at one point. I think it was a, a choke, a rear yeah. naked. Yeah, he was he was going for a submission, at least, and I was like, I was losing my mind. <laughs> like, it was the, like, that was more exciting for me because it was so unexpected than, like, actually seeing a slugfest because everyone expected to see a slugfest fest between uh, Kimbo and Houston Alexander. And I ha- I hate to make the you know do it again because that's what everyone's expecting this time again and who knows uh, so it- it's kind of impossible to make like an educated pick on this fight you know just because both guys are still developing there's a big age difference I believe but uh, you know where they are in their mixed martial arts careers I mean they're both uh, uh, not not that far along as far as you know how many fights we've seen them and that sort of thing yeah. Uh, I, I think a lot of this has to do with how they've changed since we've last seen them because, yeah. you know, they both fought last on the Ultimate Fighter Season 10 finale, which was, what was that, December or November? It was, it was a long time ago either way, like six months. Last year. Yeah, <laughs> last year, and that was forever ago. So, um, you know, they, they've certainly had time to work on their game. Um, Kimbo, you know, once again has shown that he's at least trying to improve at stuff. You know, we'll see how much he improves, but he's at least trying to round out his game a little bit, and I would assume that uh, Matt Mitrione is also trying to at least become better, um, even if he's just trying to play towards his strengths that he previously had or if he's trying to improve his all-around skills. But if I were to go with just the way they were on the season, I would actually have to lean towards Mitrione on this Mm. fight. Um just given that they're both the primary brawler type guys, but Mitrione is bigger, stronger, and, you know, being a former pro football player, probably is an all-around better athlete, too. Yeah, well, and he's got it. from what I've seen, he's got it. He, he can take hits a lot better. I mean, yeah. You know, I guess Kimbo's got that, you know, it was his it was his one loss, and it, you know, but he, he, he went down on a jab, and who knows if that was just a freak thing, but, I mean, mm-hmm. so far he hasn't demonstrated that he can take, like, 
sustained large amounts of punches. Yeah, which, uh, you know, Matt Matrione certainly took in his fight against Scott Junk, mm. um, which was just an all-out brawl that he ended up getting the, the better hand on. And, you know, he, he dropped Junk a handful of times, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, he clearly hits pretty hard. Um, and he can take some punches because he took a lot of punches in that fight right in the face. Mm-hmm. So I would lean towards Mitrione g- given the knowledge that we have, but Kimbo seems like he's trying to learn at least. I don't know I don't know how successful he's going to be on that, and we have no idea what Mitrione's up to. So really, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's hard to make a good, educated guess. Yeah. Can we, uh, go on. Oh, we do know that Kimbo is on the new UFC game, and Matt Mitrione is not. Ooh. So... Yeah, uh, Kimbo in the UFC is like watching a bear ride a unicycle. You know, if he succeeds <laughs> or fails, it's still a bear trying to ride a unicycle. Right. Just watching that, the attempt is awesome. Either way, it's entertaining. That's yeah. an interesting way to put it, man. I was thinking about it for a while. Yeah, we were kind of talking. <laughs> yeah. Now, to put it in pro wrestling terms, let's say Matt Mitrion beats Kimbo. Does he get the rub off of Kimbo, or does people just be like, who's that guy? <laughs> Do do that? People care. Is beating Kimbo a thing, or is it just that Kimbo's this kind of like he's his own sensation, and you know yeah. him winning or losing doesn't really matter about his. It, it won't affect his fan base. He's Crystal Pepsi. It has no effect on regular Pepsi. But like you know, it's like the six million people and the millions of people who watched him on YouTube, that sort of thing. Are they going to care about Matt Mitrione if he beats Kimbo, or is it just going to be like whatever? While I think they should, I don't think they will. Right. Um. Because, I mean, you look at Seth Petrozilli. Yeah. What has he done since then? You know, like, He almost fought Ken Shamrock, is what he did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, he's the, the man who destroyed the beast, Kimbo. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I haven't really heard his name since then, other than, you know, talking about beating Kimbo. I believe and, he runs uh, a, uh, a juice or a slushy shop in Florida. He yeah. owns a Jamba Juice. And, I mean, Roy Nelson... Handedly defeated Kimbo, but you know he's he, you know he's the ultimate fighter winner. Is yep. more what he's known for at this point than being another Kimbo slayer. Yeah, um, I think Kimbo is just kind of off in his own world, and you know he'll get good ratings, I'd imagine. But I don't know that Matt beating him would make Matt get good ratings. And even though that's unfair, it's just like Kimbo is Kimbo. He's yep. got the big beard. He looks tough, and I think people are just gonna buy it or watch it because of that, not necessarily for his skill set. Because at this point, we pretty much know that he kind of sucks. Right. I mean, and even, I'm not saying we as in the hardcore fight nerds out there. And I think the, the, the average person who just watches UFC knows he kind of sucks. No, he can knock out anybody. <laughs> he, can, he can knock out Brock Lesnar. He's so good. No? Who says that? <laughs> anybody? Have you read YouTube comments? No, I guess not. <laughs> right. <laughs> 11-year-old kids know nothing. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I don't know how much of the YouTube fan base... uh, Really has carried over, though, because, you know, the YouTube ones, there was the setting and and everything, and, you know, I don't know, putting that... Yeah. Kimbo sold out, man. But, I mean, six million people watched him fight on CBS, and he brought in the highest ratings for uh, Spike TV on The Ultimate Fighter, so somebody was watching. Yeah. I mean, he even lost on YouTube once. He lost to, I think it was Sean Gannon. No, no, because that was a choke. You're not allowed to choke in street fights. Yeah. So, I mean, like, <laughs> even in his own setting, he lost. We, we know he's not, you know, yeah. impossible to defeat, but yeah, I, I, I think he's just his own world, yeah. But if he loses, 
Um, is this his last gasp for air at the UFC? I would I, tend to think so. I think the UFC has to keep him, unfortunately, because now, you know, he's got not necessarily more exposure, but more legit exposure by being in the UFC. Yeah. And, you know, not like there's strong competition at this point, but Strike Force is still, you know, has TV deals and, you know, looking for talent. And well, if you want to debate Kimbo's talent, that's one thing, but you can't really debate his ability to get people to watch him. And that's Strike Force's biggest issue right now. Right. You you got to keep in mind uh, the UFC signed Phil Baroni away from Strike Force, even though he had lost. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's really no reason that you know. It, 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 I think we've seen more of the them keeping fighters around longer and signing fighters they wouldn't normally sign because there's the Strike Force out there's Strike Force out there now. There's Bellator out there, you know, that are you know keeping an eye on prospects or you know former UFC fighters. Yeah, at least name ones. The UFC seems to be cutting people that nobody's like ever cared about. Right, right. But people who you know are kind of prospects from yesteryear, much like Phil Baroni, who yeah. looked really good in 2003 and really hasn't looked good since then, other than some good wins in Pride. Um, but at least he's got that name yeah. from 2003. So, you know, people like us out there will remember that. Um I believe they just re-signed Dave Lawasso, who's yeah. another guy who's like, wow, they they signed him. He's back. That's, that's, that's another fight cool. in Canada. And uh, it sounds like there's some issues re- regarding him getting licensed, but it sounds like that's uh, that's been worked out now. So he'll be on the uh, – not this – because this, uh, this, this weekend's card is in uh, Quebec, but uh, the next one, which is in uh, – I forget. doesn't matter. The next Canada card. Vancouver. Okay. Vancouver. Yeah, I mean, I, I just see – them signing these guys, and it's it's not so much that they necessarily want them or have like super high hopes from, but it's like he's kind of a name. He fought right. Rich Franklin once, yeah. yeah. So you know we're gonna make sure that nobody else gets them, yeah. and you know who knows, maybe he'll draw somebody at some point. Yeah, we shall see. So uh, the a uh, couple other fights on the card: Sam Stout versus Jeremy Stevens. Um, just based on Sam Stout's last performance, which uh, beating up Joe Lozon. Pretty handily. Yeah, was, which uh, actually surprised the heck out of me. Yeah. I thought Lozon was going to take that one. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think that surprised a lot of people. I mean, Lozon was coming back from injury, but even still, you know, people just kind of, you know, Lozon, yeah, to that point at least, had been fighting, I think, better competition at least to, to an extent. And, yeah, but, I mean, Sam Stout really put it on him. And, uh, you know, so he's coming out two two consecutive wins and uh, taking on Jeremy Stevens. So I, I'm... I can't offer too much in-depth analysis other than to say I think it's going to be a, a very uh, high-paced fight. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know they went all all three rounds, but you know, maintained a very um, quick, snappy pace. You know, again with the lighter weight class, it's not like you're going to see guys gas out as much usually. Yeah, so. uh, I can't say I'm too familiar with Stevens, but I did notice in uh, the the Lozon fight that Stout had really good takedown defense. Mm-hmm. That seemed like it was kind of new you know he'd been taken down before in the past and had lost that way so he uh he got taken down once early in the fight by Lozon and almost got submitted mm. but then uh kept the fight standing the rest of the fight successfully and he, he won it that way so um I, I, don't, I mean like I said I don't know too much about Stevens I don't know if he's even going to want to take it to the ground yeah you're not you're not familiar with the little heathen I don't think I am oh yeah, my I need to that's see quite the this now <laughs> Oh yeah, look at that. He he does look like a little heathen. That, that really is his nickname too. Yeah, I thought you were just saying that. Nope. <laughs> it's it's official on the internet. 
Um, but yeah, no, we've seen him fight uh, the UFC Fight Night 19. He was the one who beat up Justin Buchholz, who uh, from from Alaska, right? That's Justin right, Buchholz. the Fairbanks guy. Woo! Yeah, but before that, I mean, before that, Jeremy <laughs> Stevens. <Yeah. laughs> it's like Anchorage, only worse. Yeah. <laughs> no one would even argue that. More cocaine there. <laughs> and a, and a bigger Fred Myers. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, before his uh, Justin Buchholz win, Jeremy Stevens coming off losses to Gleason Tebow and Joe Lozon of all people. So mm. MMA math computing. Gonna go with Sam Stout on this. All right. According to uh, yeah, your math is kind of funky there, but whatever. Whatever. (laughs) It's not an exact science. Uh, The return of the predator Patrick Cote after um, losing to the Bud Light logo and Anderson Silva. Well, it's about time, Cote. What's it been like two years now? Goodness. Ooh, must have taken that one pretty personally. Yeah. Well, he uh, he messed up his knee. Yep. For no apparent reason. I mean, he he said it had been bothering him, but, you know, he and Anderson Silva were standing in front of each other. This was Anderson Silva's first boring fight. Um, You know, now he's been making a habit of it, but at least Cote, he kind of finished off because the fight didn't go to a decision. That said, he didn't actually hit Cote. Cote just was standing in front of him and twisted his knee and fell down. It was Bud Light, man. It was Bud Light logo. Uh, Yeah, that was in October... Of 2008, so first fight back. Year and a half. Yeah, but he did have a uh, did have a knee injury that kept him out for a while, and I would, you know, I mean, if it's a serious knee injury, I don't I don't know the details of it, but I mean, if you tear tear something, it can be like just nine months, you know, nine months to a year to heal, and that's you know without doing anything. Yeah, and then getting back in shape. Yeah, so I mean, but yeah, I I like Patrick Cote. I mean, aside from his last fight, he's he's always put on very uh, pretty entertaining performances, and you know, yeah, he's a guy who loves to go out there and bang and. Not and he's cool Canadian. You, you gotta like Canadians, right? They're so polite. Yeah, some of them. I guess. Oh, Matt hates Canadians. I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> no, me. Uh, have no malice for people. But yeah, I mean, before the Anderson Silva loss, Patrick Cortea had a string of wins. Uh, looks like five wins: Scott Smith, Jason Day, Kendall Grove, Drew McFedries, and Ricardo Ricardo Almeida. Yes. Before. before Falling prey to uh, well, the, Anderson Silva. The Ricardo Almeida fight was the uh, the fight to see who gets to run into the meat grinder next. Yeah, Anderson Silva, um, and uh, I, I believe it was a, a fairly close decision. Uh, you split know, decision. Yeah. Oh, was it split? I just remember it wasn't like yep. a huge blowout, but yeah, it was it was a close fight. Um, and then you know we all kind of were looking at that like, hmm. Barely got past <laughs> Ricardo Almeida. Now he's got to fight Anderson Silva. Yep. Sucks for you, yeah. but you know somebody had to do it, and he, he did better than anyone did up to that point. Granted, it wasn't the most uh, aggressive fight that he had had, but he, he didn't get Chris Liebend, So yeah, you know he was the first person to make it out of the second round. Yeah, but uh, no, excited to see him back, and he's taking on Alan Belcher, uh, Ooh, owner that... of perhaps one of the worst tattoos I've ever seen. The... Have you guys seen the Johnny Cash tattoo on him? Yeah. I've heard it's Johnny Cash, but I, I can't like, verify yeah. it by looking at it. It looks like uh, like a very badly sunburned fat Elvis, yeah. <laughs> but it is supposed to be Johnny Cash. Yeah, I, I don't fully understand why someone would even get a Johnny Cash face on your arm. I mean, like Johnny Cash is awesome. Johnny Cash is awesome, but you know, like just of all the tattoos, like by his face. Yeah, he, he shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. Right. You know, I know who Johnny Cash is. <laughs> oh no, the, the the fighter, whatever his name is. <laughs> He relates to him. His name is Sue. That was his name. His name's Alan Belcher. Yeah. yeah, Alan Sue Belcher. Right, and he's coming off of a win over Wilson Govea before that loss to uh, Yoshiro Akiyama. 
Yeah, which was a very close fight. Yeah. I actually had it scored for Belcher myself. Yep. Um, but, yeah, extremely close. And before that, he beat Dennis Kang. So, and he's a guy that had been around for a long time, but had been kind of like flying low on people's radars until the Dennis King fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's certainly been, you know, on people's radars since then. Uh, Akiyama was a big-time uh, guy from Japan being brought in by the UFC, and he almost lost his fight uh, to Alan Belcher. And uh, then, then Alan goes on and wins his last fight. So he's definitely a guy who's climbing up the ladder, uh, you know, not the, the fastest rise because he got uh, he got slowed down by the Akiyama fight, but... Right, and he always seems to you know string a couple wins together and then take a loss and then have to restart the whole cycle. Yeah, so I think this should be an interesting fight. Um, I would probably lean towards Belcher, especially mm-hmm. since uh, Cote is coming off such a long layoff. I think that may have something to do with it. But either way, this is going to be probably a pretty good slugfest. Yeah, like normally, I you know, if it hadn't been for the injury and the layoff for Cote, I'd probably favor him. But yeah, I think, you know, it, it does have an effect, especially a layoff of that long. Who knows what kind of shape he's going to come in and is he going to be hesitant because of the knee injury or wanting, you know, being wary of re-aggravating that. But uh, definitely looking forward to this one. Um, but I'll just be contrarian and go with Cote on this one. All right. Then we, every, everyone's favorite American, real American, um, Tom Hulk Hogan. Oh, oh, second yes. favorite, real American, sorry. <laughs> Tom Lawler versus Joe Dirksen. Uh, not a lot of deep thoughts on this for me other than, um, I mean, Tom Lawler's good. I, I think a lot of it really does have to do with his uh, his antics. Uh, I think, Matt, you described him once as like Mini Mayhem or Mayhem Junior or oh, something like guy. that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, <laughs> who are we talking about? <laughs> he's always rocking the awesome facial hair and ridiculous entrances. And, you know, he's got he's got some pretty decent skills. And, of course, everyone loves him for choking out C.B. Dalloway. Mm-hmm. It was a but, beautiful moment. And yep. for punching, uh, what is that guy's name, on the show? No, oh, I'm spacing out. Was that the one, I just want you to punch me in the face? Yeah, and then, and then I can't be knocked out, man. Nobody can knock me out. Just hit yeah. me. And he, Tom's like, no, oh, man, I don't want to hit you. He's like, just do it. And he hit him and just knocked him out cold. <laughs> yeah. God, I am totally spacing on that guy's name. I remember his nickname is Diamond. Hmm. Diamond something. Ooh, leave a comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, comment that and correct yeah. me. Yeah. But uh, Tom Lawler is coming oh, off of a... Uh, Dave Kaplan. Dave Kaplan. Very Put a nice. comment down there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Lawler is coming off the uh, decision loss to Aaron Simpson from uh, UFC Fight Night 20. Yes, which in, was uh, a January. fight that got you emotionally oh, yeah. involved, did oh, it not, Matt? It did. That was a really close fight. Um, I, I thought Lawler was going to win it, actually. He, well, uh, he, he almost where, knocked him out. Yeah, it was, uh, I have bad recall for some of these fights. Um, but yeah, that was what he like. He almost finished, but then like Aaron Simpson just kind of weathered the storm. Then was able to start you know going using takedowns and just holding them down that sort of thing, right? I mean, it was kind of funny. I thought given the hype, the both the fighters guys like both these guys are extremely good wrestlers. But Aaron Simpson's got the stand up, and Tom Lawler's got the submissions. And it's like the fight played out the exact opposite <laughs> way, where Tom Lawler. Almost knocked out Aaron Simpson, but then Aaron Simpson got the takedowns and won the the takedown decision by, you know, winning on the ground. So show us what you know, Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not infallible. <laughs> he believes in aliens making, uh, you know, right. Egyptian things. But he called out Carlos Mencia a couple years ago, so that's cool, right? Dang. Yeah, so I, I, I we didn't say he. Yeah. We didn't say he sucks. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> We just said he doesn't know everything. I just finally watched him arguing with Carlos Mencia for ten minutes on YouTube, so I had to make the reference. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty awesome, huh? Yeah, it's great. 
I also love how Carlos Mencia keeps like leaning forward, trying to intimidate Joe, and yeah. like Joe is with like a brown belt yeah, in jiu jitsu. Like, he would guillotine you in five seconds. <laughs> yeah, not, not be good. But uh, uh, the other the other fight of note, I believe the last on the the main card at least is Marcus Davis versus Jonathan Goulet, which uh, according to the, the UFC website, it's the battle of the Irish hand grenade versus the, the road, road warrior. warrior. Yes. So mm. uh, yeah, that's uh, that should be a fun fight. That's the battle of the two most ridiculous nicknames, <laughs> at least on this card. Yeah. Uh, um, before Marcus Davis got need to death by Ben Saunders. I would have given this to Marcus Davis handily. I don't I haven't seen much of Jonathan Goulet, honestly. But uh, you know, who knows how being rattled that badly that always you know, like your first big knockout loss can always have some sort of impact on you as a yeah. fighter, whether it means you're gonna be more hesitant or whatever. Um Goulet's been knocked out before too. Yeah. Um yeah, he lost really quickly to uh Dwayne Ludwig and which is actually one of my favorite highlight reel Knockouts. He's running forward, and uh, Dwayne lands. I believe it was just a one punch, and Goulet just falls flat on his face, butt sticking up in the air. Oh. It was a uh, it, it was a pretty funny looking knockout. But um, you know, b- both these guys can knock out. Both these guys can get knocked out. So I don't expect this fight to go to decision by any means. No. Um, Goulet, though, is part genius, however, for being the first person to ever use his hair as sponsorship space. Cause he uh, he bleaches his hair and, like, will write a sponsor's name into his head. Right on. <laughs> Condom Depot or something like that up there. That's a better place for a condo depot ad. The condo yeah, depot right ad on the ad. butt. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, looking at his record, I mean, uh, Goulet hasn't fought since December of 2008. That was uh, one of the UFC fight for the troops. Uh, he took a loss to Mike Swick, so I don't know if he was been out on injury or just, you know, hmm. been uh, been on a layoff for a while. But, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely got to favor uh, Marcus Davis in this fight, you know, just kind of from, you know, their career standpoints, you know, resume at this point, even though he's coming off a tough loss, and, and coupled with the fact that Goulet, you know, hasn't hasn't fought apparently for you know since 2008, uh, I, I would take Davis on this. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I'd be surprised if it went to decision. Yeah, and, that, that's what I'm saying. I don't really have a whole lot of deep thoughts on who's going to win. I just think it's going to be entertaining. Yeah. Um, so I think that kind of wraps up the UFC 113 card, but late breaking news on Monday by uh, the time this podcast goes out. It won't be breaking, but uh, apparently Bummer. apparently uh, MMA Junkie reporting that Forrest Griffin has been has sustained an injury and will be off the UFC 114 card, which is uh, too bad. He will have to uh, delay getting beaten to death by Noguera <laughs> until another day, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, not to give my prediction away or anything, yeah. but... Uh, I'm wondering if they're going to find another fight for Noguera and scrap that one. Or yeah, I mean, because what, what UFC 114 is at the end of this month. I mean, we got UFC 113 this weekend and then yeah, the so last weekend in May. soon, but they still have time if they want to. Yeah, I mean, what? I've seen them pull fights out quicker yeah. than this. Yeah, I mean, so they get three weeks, who knows. But, um, yeah, MMA junkie, undisclosed injury at this point in time. So we'll not be able to take on uh, Antonio Rogerio Noguera. Little mug. Well, you know, as somebody who likes Forrest because, you know, he just seems like such a likable guy, I don't really want to see this fight because, you know, I didn't really see any way that Forrest was going to win it. Um, and, you know, I like Noguera too, but, you know, I mean, I even saw someone of Forrest where he was saying he wasn't too excited about it. 
So, you know, maybe they'll find something else. Maybe it's just going to get pushed back. I mean, we at this point, I guess we don't even know the severity of the injury. So, you know, maybe we won't see Forrest anytime soon, period. They'll have to find another fight for Noguera. So, it's that's bad news. Yeah, and like I said, there's not, at this point, at least, there's not much information about how bad the injury was or anything like that. Uh, just injury sustained in training. So... But uh, hopefully the UFC can pull together a uh, a, re- a suitable replacement for him. Yeah, I mean, cause that could, uh, you know, I mean, I think the Rampage-Rashad fight really sells that card. But after that, I mean, you know, the, the Griffin-Noguera uh, fight was a, a big, I don't know if it was a big sell, but it just kind of added a, a nice bit of depth there. Cause I think any time you've got Forrest Griffin, that definitely yeah. helps. I don't know that uh, Noguera... <laughs> Noguera might just sell because people would confuse him with his brother. Right, right. Um, but Forrest Griffin's got to be a, a pretty good draw on that as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what else is on that? Uh, Michael Bisping, Dan Miller, Todd Duffy, Mike Russo. Todd Duffy's going to uh, – he's basically still a prospect at this point. But, I mean, the first time I saw him fight, everyone was like, oh, that guy could probably beat Brock Lesnar because he uh, now holds the UFC's fastest knockout. Oh, he's over, the, the seven-second knockout guy. Right, over – so Tim Hager or whatever, and then Diego Sanchez versus John Hathaway, Amir Sadala, Don Young Kim. Uh, that that's actually going to be a fun fight, I think. Uh, Sadala Kim. Yeah, Sadala's a fun fighter. Right, and um, also Melvin Gallard on the undercard versus Tiago Tavares. Actually, I think uh, there's a little interesting thing here. I count one, two, three, four, five, six Ultimate Fighter winners on this card. Goodness gracious! Yeah. Uh, between Rashad Evans, Forrest Griffin, Michael Bisping, Diego Sanchez, Amir Sadala, and Efrain Squerdo. Yeah. yeah. He's Ooh. taking on Dan Lo- Lozon. Good detective work there, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> that that's, was pretty awesome, huh? That's what you get for watching all the seasons of Ultimate Fighter. I was just like, these guys look familiar. <laughs> <laughs> I recognize these names, but yeah. like, you... well, It's common to have a whole lot of contestants from the show, but I think this is the most right. winners of the show I've ever seen, because all of those guys actually won their yeah. season. Well, and a lot of a lot of the uh, Ultimate Fighter like winners or you know even contestants end up getting put on the Spike TV cards a lot too, just because that, they kind of have a home there. But yeah, I mean the upper level ones, of course, with Rashad and Forrest and Bisping, Sanchez, certainly. I don't know if uh, Esquerdo has that uh, kind of name value at this point yet. But, Not uh, yet. I mean, he only won like a year and a half ago, and then he's, he's coming off a loss in his last fight. In the, uh, I won't tap to this arm bar. Ow! But apparently it wasn't that bad because he's fighting again, and that was not all that long ago. Right. And Amir Sadal, just, I think people forgot it, and not in a bad way, but just because he had the, in- he had in- injuries, yeah. right? He was gone for a really long time after he won the show. Right. So it was just kind of like this weird layoff immediately after he won the show. So, I mean, I think he's got a decent following, but just as far as people associating him with being the ultimate fighter winner, I don't know if that's there at all. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's probably something to that just because. He went out there and and beat CB Dalloway twice. Yep. Um, so there was that drama where uh, you know once again the hated CB Dalloway loses, so everyone loves the winner. And you know Amir was a likable enough guy, but I just remember there being a whole lot of drama going into that uh, that last fight, and it was a, a very fortunate event mm. having Amir win, <laughs> win the second the second fight. Indeed. Yeah, that actually looks like a pretty good card in terms of. Uh, just the fights, yeah. But in terms of the drawing power, uh, the Forrest Griffin thing is certainly a hit, but it still helps having you know so many guys who have won their way through the show. So yeah, well, I, like I said, I, I really think the Rampage Rashad fight is gonna gonna sell big, uh, just because you know they have 
spike the, the having been on the Ultimate Fighter, but they've got you know from all reports legi- legitimate beef you know between each other, and uh, they both they both talk a pretty good game. So, but it does sound like this uh, Griffin injury. They are hoping that uh, Nogueira will be able to find a replacement, but uh, who who knows at this point? Anyone you'd like to see him fight? Oh man, let's see other light heavyweights who need uh, need a fight, man. No one springs right to mind. I know he just beat uh, Luis Arthur Kane. Hmm. I mean, Vanderlei Silva moved down. No one. No one's immediately springing to mind. I'd have to. I'd have to. I wish there was just like. Uh, I'd have to pull up a list of uh, you know, light heavyweights. And, and part of the problem is, you know, the the UFC books advance so far out in advance now. Yeah. Kind of trying to figure out who's available. But, uh, One thing that pops to my head is if they hadn't already uh, just snuck him in there for Tito, is I think Rich Franklin might have been a fun pick. Right, right. Um, and, you know, th- there's other possibilities, too. Uh, I think John Jones would be interesting. Um, you know, he, he's been doing such a, a meteoric rise, as right. Mike Goldberg would say. And, uh, you know, his, his last win over Brandon Vera was... His biggest step up, and I kind of feel that his next fight, he's going up against Vla- Vladimir Matyushenko. I feel yes. that's a step down. So, As uh, far as name value goes, yeah, I mean, Matyushenko's very good on uh, basically smothering opponents, it seems. Yeah, but so was uh, Matt Hamill. Right, I mean, yeah, definitely John Jones has fought good wrestlers before and it hasn't been a problem. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, I just feel that in terms of testing him as a fighter yeah. and, and seasoning him, this is kind of a, a step away uh, while, you know, he's, yeah. he's building up. And I, I thought, uh, you know, a guy like Noguera, who may very well win, but when you're talking about a 22-year-old prospect, who cares? Hey, they haven't officially booked Couture James Tony yet, so maybe uh, maybe have Couture fight, fight both the Noguera brothers. Ooh. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be kind of awesome, actually. That would be kind of awesome. But yeah. I also want to see Couture fight Tommy, uh, James Tony. Oh, man. Because yeah. I totally want to see, uh, you know, James Tony get destroyed. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I'm out of things to talk about. All right, well, thanks for being here on the Audio Choke, <laughs> MMATorch.com. Leave a comment. We're on Facebook. Everyone's on Facebook and Twitter. Just uh, just Google the Audio Choke. You'd be, you'll be glad you did. But as always, I'm Greg Rowan. I'm Tobin Shelby. I'm Matt Collins. Thanks for hanging out. The Audio Choke. <laughs>